Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be back with you. For those that uh, don't remember us or don't know us, uh, my name is Frank Iovino. My wife, Paula, is with me today. And uh, I attended Hope Chapel for a number of years after coming back from uh, working in Europe, working with international churches and worshiped here. And then uh, Paula came, uh, it will be two years this summer that we've been married. And uh, you'll see that she's, she speaks uh, another language in English, but she's learning. But uh, it's been great to have to be here. And uh, God has since uh, this last, late last fall had us move up to Nashua where I've been teaching. So my commute has been cut down to five minutes from an hour. So that's a, a big difference. And uh, for some reason, God has us up there. And uh, so we're thankful to be back and just to be able to enjoy your time. So let's pray together as we uh, go to prayer, as Neil's away, and he's given me this opportunity to open God's word. Father, we do pray for Neil and Christina. We want to pray for them and their family today. You know what they're going through. And Father, I pray your loving arms are around them as they say, uh, as they celebrate the homegoing of Neil's dad, and then prepare them for their trip to Rwanda. For us, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher today, that you'd open our hearts to what you want to teach each one of us. It's uh, amazing how you do that. Every Sunday in different places, uh, as churches gather around trees or in barns and different places and all around the world, that somehow you speak to each heart individually. And I, Father, I pray that you would do that today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I just want to ask us the question, uh, why? Why? Why does Quest, uh, why do the teams travel after this two-year of leadership process? And it is a process that we've been able to kind of watch from a distance. Why do they go to the Dominican Republic and Uganda and it's just not so Ken can get some sun? And Uganda, and why do they go to the city? And there's a cost, there's a financial cost. There's the cost of time and travel. It's not easy to figure out, you know, do you take your shoes off? Do you take the belt off now? What do they want? Where do they want to put your computer and all those things? And it's not easy to see our loved ones get on a plane. I know they all tell you it's the safest way to travel. But it's just not easy these days. Then there's the paperwork and there's the passports. It doesn't matter what government you work with. It's all a problem. <laughs> and uh, then there are shots. How many like shots? Yeah, there's shots you got to go through and all that. Why does good rain take off to Rwanda? Neil and Christina and Peggy and John and others will be taken off this week and, and go there. There's a cost. There's the time. The church releases leaders to go. Why last week did YEC pack up all those meals, 40,000 meals, packaged, sent off, a big container truck, you know, would take them across the ocean to people that are there in Sierra Leone. Why did uh, Steve and the group here all get together over, over Christmas and get 3,463, if I got the number right, clothing items, underwear and socks, sent along with the food? Why do we do these things? That why? It takes our energy. It takes time. It takes resources. Why were medical items packed up for the Dominican Republic to be taken? Why? I ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We'll take a look at uh, 
what Paul wrote to the Philippians to remind them. Paul was not having a, a great day, we would probably say. He was down in Rome when he wrote this letter. He was uh, in jail. Not a great place to be, but God had him there for a reason. Kind of like this fellow on the screen. He was not having a great day. His car ended up uh, off the little dock there and in the water. Not a good day. Tow truck comes. Car's getting out of the water. Looks like, well, things are getting back to normal. And the tow truck is working hard. Probably not going by the rules of what the tow truck was supposed to do. Yep, you guessed it. It's a bad day. I'm sure when you opened the warranty booklet, it said not to do that. Sometimes we just don't go with the rules. Paul was living above his circumstances. Well, he wasn't in a jail like this, but at least you get the idea. He took that time while he was in jail to write to the Philippians, because they were kind of fighting among themselves, not getting along too well, and not doing what God had called them to do. They were kind of doing their own thing. And so Paul writes to them. And he says, just a reminder, you're supposed to go by the rules. Family circus is always a great place to get good things to use for churches. And uh, here's kids coming in back from a birthday party, and mom's checking in like moms do. And I had a birthday party once. Once. I was eight years old. We had just moved to a new house, and the house had a fireplace in the middle between the kitchen and the living room, and doors on both sides that are wide open. There weren't even doors on it, it was just an opening. John Sheffalo came to my birthday party. I still remember his name. He ran around that room and just kept running, had us running around. And as you see in the next uh, rest of the cartoon, um, did, did you thank the mom? No, she had, she had run out of the house at that time. That was my mom at that point. It was my only birthday party. I've never had another one, and now I'm too old to really have them, so don't worry about it. It's okay. I lived through it. Um, but they didn't go by the rules, you know? They didn't go pin the tail on the donkey. We didn't do that. You know, the, the ice cream and cake kind of came in, and it was the quickest birthday party ever, I think, in the, any place. None of the games that were done. We just didn't go by the expectations. We thought we were having fun. But we probably weren't, because we weren't doing the right thing. And that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians. We find it on nine, page 998 of your pew Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, feel free to look at that. And why don't we stand up as we read God's word together. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. And why don't we read them together, if we would. You can look up in the screen or follow along in your version. But let's read it together. If then... There is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feeling, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry and conceit, but in humility Consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out, not for his own interest, but also 
for the interest of others. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Please have a seat as we read God's word together. If, therefore, if you've gotten anything out of what God has done for you, I like how the message writes the first four verses of this. There we go. It says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be assessed, obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Paul really asks some questions to the Philippians. He says, you know, if you've gotten anything from God, if you understand why Jesus went to the cross for you, if you have forgiveness of your sins, if you understand that there's encouragement because the Holy Spirit is walking with you and, and leading you, and directing your life, that there's a plan that I have for your life. If you feel any of those things, if you understand that that's going on, then there should be some result happening in your life. As we live in communities with our brothers and sisters, that there should be some results. He says, then love one another. Work it out together. Thinking of each other. Lend a hand to the purpose that I've called you together for and to let others know who I am. In other words, share the love with others around them and then around the world. God does have a plan. And his plan says that from every tongue, every language group, every tribe, every nation will worship him. That's his plan. And I believe his plan. It will happen. Revelation 7, 9 says this, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. Missionaries, if you read some missionary stories, will tell you they've gone to places where they couldn't speak the language. And somehow after months, they figure out how to get the information across. And they tell the story of what Jesus has done and what God has prepared. And somehow, 
those people go, we knew something like this, but we didn't know the, the words. We didn't know how to say it. God prepares people. God knows where people should go. Just this week, uh, I'm a music teacher up in Nashua, and so we were doing a song from Africa. And uh, this country, Liberia, was actually an American colony at one point. So it, it's English is their, is their language that everyone's supposed to use. But there are 300 language groups in that one country. Just think of that. One country, 300 language groups. And God says, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, there will be somebody there worshiping. Just one country. How's God do that? For some reason, he uses us to reach one person at a time. Jesus' last words recorded for us in Matthew 28 are to go into all the world and make disciples, make worshipers of him. And in order to accomplish this, we often, we have to stop what we want, listen to him. He's provided the party and go by his rules and his expectations and let God work through us. God wants to accomplish great things through us. And he will. And then Paul gives us this example of Jesus. You know, this, the writings here that were written were written as a hymn, a confession, a poem. It was probably spoken of by the church just to remind them of the example they're following. Here Jesus leaves his heavenly home where he lived from all eternity with his Father and the Spirit, where they made this world, and he goes, yep, I'll go there. And I'll leave this behind. I'll go and I'll live as a man. I'll be born as a baby. I'll live with dust and dirt. I'll wear sandals. I'll go by gravity. I'll go by all the rules of man. I'll get into the creation. I'll be a captive by my own creation. I'll be born as that baby. I'll be misunderstood by people, misunderstood by the crowds, misunderstood by even his brothers and sisters. Verse 5, he writes this, this hymn that the church spoke of, and it says this. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself, become obedient, to the point of death. Yes, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus was willing to do what the Father asked him to do. Are we willing to leave our own running in circles and instead take part in the real party, the real thing that God has called us to do. God desires to use us for what counts for eternity. 
or in the words of the message, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Is it scary to go? Well, not really. Because God says, and lo, I am with you always. Always. No matter where we go, God's with us. And if you're doing what God's called you to do, what better place is there to be? You know, we packed up and went to Europe and, I know, suffering for Jesus in Vienna, Austria, and Nice, France, where it's like 60 degrees today. But God had a plan. And, you know, he never told me, okay, in 20 years, this is where you're going to be. But just step by step. And if he actually told me the whole plan, I probably would have been like Jonah running in the other direction. But he didn't. He just takes you step by step. And that's what he asks us to do. Just take a step. As the quest teams go, as the people from Good Rain go and travel, and we're going to find out that inside people are the same, no matter where where we go. Oh, the context is different. How they shop is different and what they wear and the weather and buildings, how they're made and all that. But people are the same inside. Ecclesiastes 3.12 says this words that God has put eternity in their hearts. Every single person has that. They know that there was a past. They know that there's a present and they know there's, there's something else after this. There's very few people that will say, no, this is it. But to realize that people have that eternity in their hearts. Yep, toilets will be different. There'll be holes in the ground rather than those little flesh things that we're all used to. There's all that kind of stuff. I got a friend that travels around Eastern Europe. He still he's been doing that for 40 years. He still can't figure out the hole in the ground thing. He goes, I just take it all off. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> but inside, hearts are the same. They put eternity in their hearts. You've just done a great study from 1 Samuel, and we find out that choices have consequences. You could see that there was God's way. There was our way, trying to do whatever we want. And then there was trying to do what everybody else wants. And David chose God's way. You know, David made that big choice not to hurt Saul along the way. He would not take it on his own. I can't imagine what David was doing in the back of the cave when Saul goes in to use the bathroom. And he sneaks up and he just takes a little part of his robe off. How did David not do something else then? Because he had made that choice, that big choice, I'm not going to hurt Saul. That's not my place. God will do that when it's the right time. And then it was all those little choices. That was a little choice in the cave after making that big choice. Nope, not going to do that. It's the little choices I think we make day by day that help out whether those big choices what kind of consequences we'll have. As we make our small, what seemingly seems small choices every day. You know, we only all have so much time. 
And Selwyn Hughes, a writer that Paul and I enjoy, says this, refuses to do the good if it interferes with the best. Now, there's not many of us that wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do something bad today. <laughs> but we sometimes do the good instead of doing the best. And as we make our decisions, we make a decision, do we put on the TV or do we open our Bible? Do we make that phone call to somebody who maybe needs some encouragement or do I say tomorrow? Do I meet somebody for a coffee that's maybe going through a tough time? Or do I, uh, yeah, maybe later. Do I make that decision to help my neighbor shovel snow? I got plenty in my driveway. Those small decisions. Well, this week, we're all going to have some small decisions to make, some choices to make. And we have some opportunities to lend a hand. What are some of those opportunities? Well, number one, you can pray. Pray for the Quest team. Pray for good rain. I think they'll both put up blogs. I know I followed them last year. And I, I, they'll probably put up the blogs again this year. And that helps you just to be able to pray. When you pick up the news, whether it's in a newspaper the old-fashioned way or whether you get it on your computer screen somehow. When you read the news, do you, do you pray about it? Do you pray about the churches in those countries? And how about next time? Maybe you're here today and going, you know, that, those missions, they, like, they look like they had a lot of fun at YEC. <laughs> they look like they had a great time. It, it looks like, yeah, it's hard work to get there, but those kids going off on quests, it, it, they come back different. I think I'd like to see that. How many would like to go to Rwanda and see that tent? I'd like to go see that tent. I'd like to go be in that room when Neil's putting everybody to sleep and he's preaching. No. When they fall asleep because of the heat. Just to be there. Wouldn't you like to be there? Well, that means you've got to make some choices. It means you've probably got to plan some finances. It means you've got to plan some vacation time that you can take off during those trips. And maybe it's going with summer trips. You know, this church was built by people who showed up and lend a hand. And that happens every summer, all throughout the summer. Take a week and go help build a church. Those are the things that we can be. And then God calls us to be salt and light where you are. You know, I don't know why I'm in Nashua. I'm, I'm at teaching at a job that I did not apply for. There was a budget cut. I should have lost my job my second year there. There was a late retirement, and I'm still there. We're at a house that had already sold, that we weren't even looking in that area anymore, and there we are. God has us there. I don't know the big picture, the little things wide, but I do know the big picture. He calls us to be salt and light there. And he's called you to be salt and light wherever you are. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a new student. As a teacher, I see lots of new students come in and out of our classrooms, and it's not easy. And as they, I, I do an elementary school. It's not bad there. But when you get up middle school and high school, man, I don't want to be a new student. I used to, used to see them. When I taught at the high school, the place they showed up at, 
That was when, back in the 70s, when there were smoking areas at schools. That's where they went. They never smoked, but that was a place they could hang out and get accepted. Then sooner or later, they'd be smoking. It wasn't good. How about a new neighbor? We were new neighbors. We went out and visited our neighbors, said hi, <laughs> said hello. I don't think anybody knocked on our door. Tom Seller, uh, you know, and, and then there's your finances. You know, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Tom Sellner, a uh, missiologist that I kind of enjoy, he says there are three kinds of people, the goers, the senders, and the disobedient. Now, it's not God's will for everyone to be a goer, so I'm not putting every, that on everybody, all right? He says this, only some are called to go for the sake of the name to a foreign culture. Take a look at Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Those who are not called to go, however, out for the sake of the name, are called to stay for the sake of the name of Jesus, to be salt and light right where God has placed them, to join others in sending those who are called to be cross-cultural missionaries. It takes finances. Families, you know that. These kids from Quest had to go raise their funds. There were finances to come up with. You know, people going for good rain. It, there are costs to go. You can't get on a plane and just say, hi, let me on. Financially, it needs to help. That means choices where we send, spend our money. And sometimes those are not a huge choice. They're just little choices. How many times do we need to go to Dunkin' Donuts? Now, I need my coffee. And I use it a lot. I'll tell you that. I see 400 kids a week. I need lots of coffee. <laughs> But where do we spend our money? Those little dollars that kind of just go off. Those little choices have a big consequence in our life. Maybe you can just be an encouragement to the go, to those going. It's not easy for moms and dads to see their kids go off. Not easy. It wasn't easy for my mom and dad to see me take their grandchildren across the ocean. You can be an encouragement to them. Or maybe somebody goes on the trip and they're going to come home to a snow-filled driveway. How exciting will that be? Maybe you're the person to go and shovel their driveway. Or you're the person to just make sure that a mom left behind has a phone call to make sure they're okay. You know, I knew a, a couple of doctors. They were cardiologists, and they set up their practice so that they could have four of them on in the practice, and one could be traveling at all times and be a missionary doc. What a great thing. Now the dentist, he set up his practice, did really well. God just blessed him. He has another practice in Haiti and then started another one in another part. You know, we can be salt and light. Some are called to go. Some are called to be senders. For you, what's your next step? What's the next step that you should take? I don't know what it is. But I know that the Holy Spirit can teach you and she can show you that even right now. Let's just go to prayer together. Father, you've done so much for each one of us. You've sent your own son, Jesus, to the cross. You've paid the penalty of our sin. You've taken it away as far as the east is from the west, and you've given us forgiveness. And when we leave this earthly home, we know that we're with you. There's not an if, there's not a maybe. We know it.
And Father, I thank you for that. I pray today that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know that, that they would know that before they leave here today. And they talk to somebody to understand from God's word what you've done for them. And then, Father, I would just ask for each one of us who know you, you've called us to lend a hand, to forget ourselves and our agendas long enough to know what your agenda is, and to lend a hand to having every tongue and tribe and nation represented around the throne. Father, help us to do our part. And Father, your Holy Spirit can teach each one of us what that part is, what our next step is, even in the quietness of this time. Father, this week, help us to make our choices the right ones for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.